Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. We're talking to you from our at-home studio, having been home a whole week and still suffering greatly from the 14 time zones that we have to overcome from our recent foray into Japan. Nice flight home, but nice and tight because we were all, one of us had to sit on the inside instead of sitting on the aisle. You are always very optimistic when we fly (laughs) and assume that the plane will be half empty, which luckily did happen when we flew to and from India. But But this time um, the ANA flight was mostly first class, business class, premium economy class, and there were like three seats left in the back for cheap people like us who were smashed together. I know, but you got to fly for free. And that was well worth it. And that was well worth it. Flying all the way to Tokyo and back for free is a good deal. For free, well, with frequent flyer miles. But the Japan cruise turned out to be quite interesting. We've learned a lot about Japan. Uh, Actually, we found out that Japan is probably a place that is too well organized. No, I love it. When your Shinkansen train runs on a schedule that is allows for 12 seconds of delay, that is a very precision country. The, the contrast was so um, stark yes. to me when we got on the plane at Narita in Tokyo and got off the plane at O'Hare in Chicago, how differently we were treated. Um, in Japan, uh, that's a busy airport and uh, we stood there looking befuddled for a few minutes and right away somebody came up to us and helped us figure out how to check in. The security line was hardly a line at all. Um, Because they have plenty of cheap labor still. When the person needed to rescan my bag, they politely asked me if they could and bowed to me before they took it. Done more bowing. And um, we didn't have to take our shoes off, but then when we landed at O'Hare, it was poorly staffed. The lines were long. We, we had to wait for the suitcases. We had to stand in line to wait for the scanner for our passports, which yes. is supposed to save time. So then you can stand in another line and actually see the agent. And the final customs line was, I would say, three blocks long. It was Blocks? Yes. It was very, very long. So yes, it went quickly. It, it's not a matter of incompetence or people not doing their job. It's a matter of staffing. And Having we, the number of people. We have cut ourselves to the bone right. in many parts of our country. And much of India we found to be very chaotic, even though they have tons of labor also. But in Japan, the labor is very well organized, and everybody uh, gains self-esteem from their job. And that even though you have a job which we would consider to be very menial, they give you a uniform and badges and and status, and so that people feel like this is an important job. And, in fact, they are. So the guy sweeping up the streets is doing, and he is, doing an important job, and he has status within the society that gives him the um, the vision to do a good job and be motivated so it's it's a very interesting place because Japan is so clean and so well organized it's they would give the Swiss a run for their money which in my mind has always been the epitome of cleanliness and well organ or you, you and don't good see cigarette butts you don't see papers you don't see wrappers you don't see and it's because not only are there people to clean it up but there are people just don't 
drop Don't it. Don't do that. And how many trash cans did you see? Very few, because people just take care of their trash until they get home, and then they dispose of it. And, of course, is there trash? Well, there should be a lot of trash, because <laughs> everything that you buy in Japan is, is magnificently like wrapped. wrapped. You could give it as a present, whatever it is. The most meaningful, meaningless, trinkety kind of thing is wrapped up one side and down the other. You buy asparagus, and it comes wrapped up in, in, a, bowl. in a bowl. Three spears per bundle. And, of course, you pay for that. And in the parks, um, we were told that some of the parks that have little streams running through them, the staff has to take all the rocks out of the streams every so often to wipe the algae off. And That's in the parks, not in the, just the normal streams. Yeah. What a preposterous in, idea In the gardens and things. Right. We were very impressed with all of that. And, of course, the tours and things that we took were, were very precision and very well run. And it was a very pleasant sort of place to be. We like that sort of stuff. I mean, as Americans, we're kind of halfway in between. There is chaos here, but uh, we do like the organization that this country offers. It was very stress-free because you knew if something was supposed to happen, it would happen. Right. And stress-free from another point of view because you felt safe all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Japan is probably one of the safest countries that you could go to. And that if you forget something, you know you'll get it back. Or that if something happens, you'll be taken care of. By people, just the local people. I would say the single largest barrier continues to be the language difference between them and us. Um, But I would say since we were there in the early 80s, the younger generation is a little bolder about trying to speak English and use the English that they've all been learning in school for many, many years. And certainly whenever we floundered a bit, there were people who tried to give us a helping hand, which you appreciate very much as a traveler. But, of course, this is the RV Navigator Podcast. So it's time to talk about RV. Well, unlike most times when we travel overseas and other places, uh, I was pretty anxious to get home. Because you had a new RV? I had a new RV waiting for me that I had only seen once. I can't believe we actually bought it on the spot without even, ooh. That's not like us. And I kind of thought after we got over there and I was just only had the pictures to look at, which I'm glad we had a lot of pictures to look at. Ooh, I said, that was a big, we got, we walked into the dealership, we looked at it, and because it was a Newmar, we kind of said, okay. We, we know this we know, machine. We know this machine. We know it's a quality build. We trust Newmar. We said, okay, let's buy it. And we wrote a check for the the entire amount and walked and went home. And went, home. <laughs> and went, out, and went away for it and said, please, will you store it for us for a month? Of course, they were very happy to do that because right we can't really deal with it right now. And it would have been nice to trade in our old one no, with them. I don't know. But they were not highly motivated to give us a decent price. So no. in a way, that worked out for the best because now we can, um, Take at our, time. our leisure, unpack the old one and pack the new one. Which, there's a lot of nostalgia involved. And <laughs> there, it's it's hard to do because we really love this coach and we have customized it and Made it just made the way, it just we, the way like we, it. we like it, and it's it's hard to make that transition. But we hope that we will like the new one immensely. We've had a, a lot of comments on our Google Plus page, and I hope that you have had a chance to to join the, our RV Navigator there. We, I do post quite a lot more there than any place else, so that you can keep up to date. And if you're interested in how our 
transition is going here because it hasn't really finished yet, we uh, will be posting there with pictures and comments and answering your questions. And we do have some comments and questions um, that we would like to share with you. I couldn't say enough good things about the dealer that we worked with in Michigan besides the fact that he didn't give us a good trade-in price. Um, He handled this coach which was sold on consignment consignment, as if it was a new one, and he dealer prepped it as if it was a new one. Right. Um, In the process of prepping it, they noticed a mechanical problem, and since it was still under warranty, they took it in and got it repaired. With Freightliner. So we felt like we were treated very well by them. Yes, and the name of the dealer is uh, Midway RV in Grand Rapids, Michigan, about 200 miles from here. You know, we drove up there in a day and, and drove back uh, the same day on the first day that we purchased it. They were very accommodating in, in terms of uh, of helping us make this deal. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was a little scared. But when we uh, came home... Uh, of course, we had to wait for the jet lag to wear off just a little bit, but uh, we were still getting up pretty early. So uh, we came home on Saturday and on Wednesday morning, because we had w- woken at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning at some ridiculous time, we decided to get in the car and let's Start go driving. pick it up. We had made arrangements for picking it up uh, on that Wednesday, but uh, for a little bit later in the day, because we assumed it would be uh, typical sleeping hours. But when we got there, uh, things were all in readiness, and the coach was uh, prime and and cleaned and and ready for us at this coach boy it was it was amazing because uh for a 2012 with 11,000 miles on it i mean the inside smelled new it was there was no sign that anybody had ever lived in it spent a night in it and we have no evidence as to what happened uh, we bought the RV from somebody in Iowa through the Michigan dealer. So the day before I went down there, we had to go, I had to go to the <laughs> the DMV in Illinois, pay some more money for the taxes, and uh, you have to pay sales tax on this guy when you buy it from a dealer. Which, if we'd bought it privately, from, yeah. would not have been the case. Yeah, that's my understanding anyway. But we paid a lot of money in, in sales tax. And uh, got a temporary license plate and all that sort of good stuff and took care of the details. And I ordered the vanity plate, which kind of shocked them. So now we have the car whose license plate conveniently says, I push RV. And the RV says, I pull. Hmm. Very cute. So if you see us going down the road, you'll know. And it sounds like somebody did this. Somebody did. This is amazing. Going down the road. Yes. They wrote wrote on the Google page that they had be? Did you happen to take it south from Grand Rapids on US 31? I saw a Dutch star headed south. On 131. uh, On 131. And that uh, Tom must have been Stanley us. said that, and so hey, Tom. Yes, I guess we did. That could very well have been us because uh, we spent most of the morning with the RV dealer, and they gave us the complete prep, uh, taking us through. We knew most of the stuff, but we needed lessons for the things that were yeah, really you know, different. The, the, a couple of you have asked about: uh, Are we going to enjoy the all electric, and why? I've had this sudden turnaround with the all electric and the other things, and. Frankly, I've just had to just swallow hard and say I'm going to accept this because if you want a newer coach, this is the way they come. You're going to get DEF, and if you want a coach in this range, as we said last month, the new 40 is 43 because 
43-footer, as we find out, now has the capacity of the old 40s because of the tag and because of the DEF and because of the extra emission controls on the engine. So even though this engine is exactly the same engine that we had before, it weighs quite a lot more, and it has quite a lot more of the stuff hung off of it. However, as I was reading, uh, we're expecting to get better gas mileage, and I certainly would like to hear from you guys. Uh, those of you who have DEF engines, and the, uh, that's any diesel engine since well, late 2011, ha- has DEF. And, that's, and that includes cars, it includes pickup trucks, and over-the-road uh, trucks, so they all use DEF. So that if you're going to want a new RV with a diesel engine, it's going to have DEF. And so I just got to bite the bullet and pay the price because it's, they told us it adds about $15,000 to the price of the engine in, our, in this category. As far as all electric goes... You know, we're, we're kind of worried about it. We are kind of worried about it. Especially and, for boondock. But once again, it's kind of the way things are going. And it does save having all that extra componentry for propane. But it certainly didn't give us any extra space. No, That's I don't think so. That's been a disappointment no. to me. No, well, I'm not sure whether it's the, it's the all-electric or the... Fact that it has the DEF. Well, we've got well, those a coach tags on there take up a lot. That's almost three feet longer mm. and has less storage space than we had before. This is a controversy, and you're going to have to stay tuned because I'm not totally sold on it, even though I have it. <laughs> we really love our old coach, and uh, we have been today for the first day. We have them both parked side by side in our storage lot, and we have been making uh, trips back and forth, bringing all of our personalized stuff, which Jesus, we collect a lot of stuff you know all the the clothes and all the tools and gadgets and gizmo do i have any gadgets i didn't you're mr gadget mr gadget one thing that's nice about this coach is that um the previous owner installed slides in the basement oh trays yeah so that you are less inclined to lose stuff in the middle of the basement which happened to us even in our fifth wheel and you kind of lose track of what you've got in the middle because you very rarely can but see I did, it. But I noticed that I, I'm missing a whole bay uh-huh. on the driver's side. Uh-huh. I just noticed that yesterday. Uh-huh. Even we though it has a tray, there's a whole... Tr- there's a whole and it's very interesting to take the two coaches and really put them side by side. We've lost a and lot to of see, And to see what is different between them. Uh, so with the DEF, though, we're expecting to get better gas mileage because all of the emission controls are hung after the exhaust or after the gases, after the engine has used the ex- the, the gases, so rather than using an exhaust gas recirculation system, they now clean the, the exhaust afterwards so that apparently the gas mileage is much better, up to 10% better. But because we have a 43-footer, we may not really realize that. Yeah. Last, we've always gotten a very consistent 8.3 uh, miles per gallon with our diesel, and we're expecting to be about the same for this one. I'll and I don't want to poo-poo the fact that we are being less polluting of the air, which is indeed a good thing. Right. And this is a new coach with all the new features, which we do appreciate. Um in terms of all the components are are the latest, which is hard to keep your old coach updated. And I'm sure I'll love the residential so, fridge, which is um, substantially which is, bigger than the one in our current coach. And um, as long as the electric keeps the food cold and frozen all the right, time, right. Um, I, I know that I will like that very much. It's kind of a shame that the propane people didn't keep up with fridge developments and fires and stuff. Well, I'm not sure I, that's, I think they really lost. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that they there. could do that. 
but uh, it, it appears uh, that propane is really kind of on the way out for, for most RVers because it is a, a very volatile gas and some tunnels and things you can't go through with propane on board. So this, uh, an all-electric coach, um, will I like it? We'll see. I do like the idea. It's not that. It's that can we keep everything running uh, when we are on the road. And So you're doing a lot of things to well, try to guarantee that we will keep running. Well, my wife is very particular about some things, and she... <laughs> We 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 went for the from the, we bought the RV and we went through the training and all that sort of stuff, and then we took the RV to a campground and we we're going to spend the night. Okay, so that's that's a good idea, and you know in case there's something wrong, we can go back to the dealer because it was only 20 miles away. So we actually made it through the night without depleting the batteries. That's because we were plugged into 50 amp. Oh, is that why? Okay. <laughs> So, not only that, but she had to have this big electric reel for the cord. Well, that cord is very heavy. Now, see, on the old coach, we had we had yes, it had lots of nice features and and options that were really nicely built in. And one was an automatic cord reel, which this didn't have. And we opened the compartment when we were looking at it when we bought it. Bought it, and it doesn't have a cord reel. Oh no! So uh, we put one in. So we put we had the one put in. Fifty amp cord is thick and heavy, especially when it's cold. It's yes. stiff. It's hard for me to handle. It's hard for her to handle. So now we have not only that, but we have an extension cord from so, the old one. From the old one, so that we can make the plug into plug electricity into- wherever it is. <laughs> right. Okay. So um, I've been doing some research, and of course, on the old one we had uh, solar. We had one solar panel, and my idea was to kind of keep things charged up when it was sitting. When we parked it and left it. When we parked it. it and just left it. Or just to, when you're driving down the road, it just keeps things charged up. Because I think batteries are easy to abuse, and they will last much longer if they are not abused. So that having a solar panel up there makes sure that they aren't abused. <sighs> You know, there are a lot of things on the old motorhome I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have bought new, brand new batteries in February. Yeah, Would somebody's ha- going to get a nice deal on that. And not only that, but they and have a brand good, new washer dryer that we put Oh, in. that's right. We put in that brand. And, and we took off the diamond shield. Would we have done that? No. Well, it makes it look a lot better. But. And, of course, this new one has diamond shield on the front. So we're going to be doing that again? Oh. Well, that's a few years away, but. And I'm sure most of you have followed our epic stories about these various items and getting them replaced. Anyway, in a week, I'm going to take it down and we're going to start the customization process. And I have to remember that when we bought this coach in 2007, the first one, that it took us a couple of years to really make it our own. You know, we took it down to figure out fur- what we didn't like, and to then the figure furniture, out you know, and what to the, do about I put it, the, how to get it done. Right, I, and I put the TV in the in the middle of the coach, and that took us a while to figure out what and I wanted to do with that. We strung thirty six pairs so, of wire. That's right. We strung, strung the thirty six pairs of wire, and so I'm going through that process again. I guess it's going to take us a couple of years, even though we would like we know exactly what we want. We want the old coach, but. Uh, this one is uh, is going to take some time for us to customize. And I'm starting the customization with three solar panels because we have eight 6-volt batteries rather than four. So that means that I need more solar to keep it going. So I randomly picked three. Now, the, the solar installer guy said that they put 12 on one just within the last couple of weeks, 12 solar panels, because the guy wanted to run his air conditioner with mm-hmm. solar. Mm-hmm. Our intention is not to run the air conditioner, but just to keep us 
going and to keep that refrigerator cold. And when we want to turn on the lights, we want the lights to turn on. <laughs> so and, uh, so we, don't, we don't really have any idea how long the batteries will last if you just kind of use them and, and, and normally you don't supplement, and don't supplement it. So we're doing that. Plus, uh, at the same time, we are replacing the inverter. Whoa. Now, most of you know a little bit about inverters, and you can buy inverters that uh, start with 150 watts and go up from there. And the, the pinnacle of inverters are pure sine wave, which means that it has the same electricity characteristics as the power coming from the wall. That's been tough to do, and pure sine wave inverters have been extremely expensive. And today they're only expensive. They're moderately. <laughs> so with uh, our coach currently has a pure sine wave inverter, a two th- uh, 2,800 watt, which is big, a 2,800 watt sine wave inverter. But I've been reading about these new ones called uh, hybrids. And a hybrid pure sine wave inverter does something that which is very cool because it's an additive power system. The co-pilot wants 50 amp. And she wants 50 amp so that she can dry her hair and she can cook and she can make coffee and run the refrigerator and I can be watching TV and all of this happens regardless of what we're plugged into on the outside. She makes no allowance for that. I want it to be like at home. Exactly. And you should have that. And damn it, I want to give it to you. (laughs) But it ain't easy, I'll tell you that. So eight batteries is a start. Second thing is is that a hybrid inverter. Now I'm going to be spending a twenty three hundred dollars, twenty four hundred dollars on a, a new lot. on a new inverter, which does exactly the same thing that the current one does, except that it is a hybrid. Meaning that if you're plugged into twenty amp, you say on the inverter, you say I have twenty amp shore power. When it reaches twenty amp draw from the pe- from the pedestal. It kicks in with the inverter to provide you with up to 3,000 watts of additional power. So that means you'll have the convenience of 50 amp regardless of what we're plugged into in the shore. I can think of numerous occasions when we were plugged into campgrounds that had advertised considerably yes. more than 20 amps and still were not providing that for various reasons. The worst case I remember was when we were in Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and we had 50 amp, which hardly ran anything, and right. we had brownouts all the time because right. it was a hot day, right. and so many other people yeah, were plugged just about in this as time. well. Yeah. Um, would this inverter sense that? Because we can't well, plug in how many amps we have when the campground has crapped out on us because we don't know. Uh this will be interesting to find out because I don't know. But my, uh, we can dial in the number of amps that we want to pull from the pole. So we can so just keep upping it until... We can, it, no, we can just keep lowering it uh-huh. until the inverter is doing all the work. Uh-huh. Because with 3,000 3, watts of power, that's, that's in round numbers, that's 30 amps. So that regardless of what we get out of the pole, we still have 30 amps as long as the batteries are charged up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing that it does. Well, and people but, ask, do we have a generator? And yes, we do, very similar to the, the one the, we the had before. The Hershey example is a good one. But many times, as you probably know, when you're in a campground, they don't allow you to run your generator because it's noisy and it bothers other people. So and Hershey was a good example so then of that. what do you do? Right. But now, this doesn't allow us to run our air conditioner because the air conditioner only runs off of shore power. Mm-hmm. But this is another situation. If we have 30 amp, 
uh, if we have 30 amp and we want to use 15 amp for the air conditioner and 15 amps for uh, the rest of the stuff, we can say to the inverter, only only take 15 amps. We'll give 15 amps to the air conditioner. We'll take 15 amps for everything else. And above that 15 that the inverter gets, you have to invert from the batteries. So that's assuming that the batteries, you get the inverter power until the batteries stop. And then I'm also having installed the automatic generator start so that when the batteries get low, the generator will automatically start. And we did run the generator in 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 Hershey, Hershey, but that was out of desperation. If they would have come to complaint, I would have popped them in the nose. Popped them in the nose, you betcha. (laughs) How this works out, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is how my solution to a all-electric coach, how it works out for us, is uh, going to be seen. And you'll have to stay tuned as the adventure continues with the RV Navigators and their new motorhome. One of the things about this motorhome is, is that the inside is so spacious. Having two slides in the front end... Four yeah, slides all together. Four slides all together really adds a lot of very nice living space. living space. When you walk in, you go, ooh, wow. You could have a dance in Well, we decided the, the old rule about uh, six to entertain, four to eat, and two to sleep could be expanded to eight to entertain because we have about eight seats now even though we only have uh, we have two easy chairs which is nice mm-hmm. and one coach which is something we were looking for and th- this coach was ordered uh with us in mind because we wanted a queen size bed we wanted the easy chairs you know there, there are numerous things on it that are just customized for us and i would like to talk about something else and that's the comfort drive everybody talks about comfort drive and it is a numar specialty and they talk about how wonderful it is and the dealer, they advertise it, and the dealers talk about it, and people on the forums and stuff talk about how wonderful Comfort Drive is. Now, I've been driving this our old motorhome without Comfort Drive, and I said, whoa, i got to have Comfort Drive. But I never really said that too much because I think the old one drives great, and I don't find it wandering on the road. But what Comfort Drive is, my understanding, is that it is a self-centering system, which is a little bit, for the steering wheel, it's a little bit disconcerting sometimes because if you make a turn and you let go of the wheel, it comes back to center. Whether you want to or not? Whether you want to or not. Well, uh, well, I mean, you can hold it so that it won't, but if you let go of it, it'll come back to center. So that, of course, we have power steering. I've had power steering on both of these. So the steering was actually very easy to do. You could do it with one finger without any problem. But with the old one, when you <laughs> let up with that finger on a turn, it would continue to turn because that's the way the wheels do, just like a car does, you know, and you had to manually bring it back to center. Whereas Comfort Drive, and it, Comfort Drive has various levels that you can set it to and how aggressively it moves back to center. And the idea is that if you're going down the road and there's a, a, a wind gust or something, that it's going to turn the wheel slightly to one side and then it'll bring it back to center and that if there's a crest in the road that the self-centering comfort drive will bring it back to the center of the road i ha- i'm not down on it but i don't see what it's what all the hype is about i was hoping, i certainly wouldn't pay extra for it i was hoping it would help you on the days when we have a lot of wind banging into the maybe side. well this is I, I have to see but i was expecting some sort of magical experience with the way people talk about it on the forums and people talk about the fact that i wouldn't ever buy a coach without comfort drive and blah 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 blah. so i I'm, i think it's nice but i don't even know if i would notice it if it wasn't advertised 
and obviously there, and I now have a control for it. So I've we'll been, see. I've been thinking a lot about moving things, uh-huh. but I think you have been thinking a lot about moving your electronic gizmos, oh, yeah. and that's going to be quite challenging. Some of our Google Plus people have asked about how you're going to handle that. Well, we've had kind of a long discussion about this also, and the satellite dish, which we paid quite a lot for, but it's old, but it works good. And I wouldn't recommend that somebody get satellite Internet these days because it's kind of a technology which is going out of style. But as long as we have it and it works good and we have the dish and everything, um, I'm going to attempt to move the satellite dish. From one roof to the other. And continue to use the whole system. Uh, Fortunately, I can still buy parts for it and the wires and that sort of stuff, and it's still supported. But uh, that's going to be our primary Internet access when we're on the road. Because we're going to Canada next year, and who knows where we'll go after that, Internet is is always vital to us. And there have been too many places where the cell service was not adequate for, for data. Yeah, and we we have some data service with ourselves, but we just haven't uh, pursued it uh, in a big way because we've had the the Internet. And (laughs) one of the things that's nice about the satellite Internet, which is subtle but actually has made quite a big difference, is the fact that between 2 and 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time that you can do unlimited downloading. And that's something you don't get with any other service. And there have been many nights when we've gotten up and set the computers up to, to start downloading at 2 a.m. And in the morning, we've downloaded a gigabyte. So we could download podcasts like this one. Yes, all sorts of stuff. And so, or do updates and all that sort of Software stuff. So, when you're paying by the megabyte to download and you have a limited amount, that's a, a problem. And, of course, with data services from cell phone companies, uh, they're fast, but they're expensive. So, you know, $10, $10 a gigabyte. So that would, in some evenings, we've downloaded two and three gigabytes in the middle of the night, and that doesn't cost us anything extra. So we're going to give that a try if I can find a place to install the stuff. And, but I'm going to hedge my bets here, ladies and gentlemen. Because I think that Wi-Fi is really coming down the road uh, in big time, as well as cell. So uh, while I'm drilling holes in the roof, <clears throat> while I'm drilling holes in the roof, I'm going to install a, both an external Wi-Fi antenna and an external cell phone antenna, so that uh, we can hook up to those should we need to. The day will come probably when we'll make the transition, and. Although our listeners may not believe this, I really don't want to drill too many holes in the roof. So so while the, the solar guys are installing stuff and drilling holes in the roof, I'm going to try to dovetail on their, their setup. And their expertise. Their, well, yeah, and not only their expertise, but their physical drilling of holes in my roof. So I'm going to uh, hopefully... Share the holes. Because we found out that this coach is not solar prepped so that uh, they're going to have to install the wires from square one without any help from the factory. So that'll be an interesting project. You had some concerns about TV, too, even though it's not the old analog TVs you had to deal with before. I I have this uh, kind of editorial that I cut out uh, about uh, campgrounds and... Wi-Fi and cable TV, that as a result of cable companies going to digital, that they don't offer analog cable much anymore, and that the cable companies are pressing campgrounds to install black boxes or rent black boxes to every camper so that they can get uh, their cable TV. And 
is this really going to happen? Not only is it that a hassle for RV owners who must figure out how to install the system into their television by gaining access to the back of the TV, it's an even bigger hassle for the campground owners who will have to devise a way to check in and check out black boxes and remote controls. They'll likely need to accept a refund and deposits. Uh, and keep an extra supply of the $150 boxes, $70 remotes on hand for people who forget to return them and leave the campground or break them. The campground owners will be on the front lines of people complaining that they can't get it to work, and they'll have to train their staff on how to help troubleshoot the problems that this will occur. And this is, uh, I'm sure, uh, you check now, listeners, do any of you have a cable system that does not use a box? We transitioned uh, very begrudgingly to a box well over six months ago, probably close to a year, because our cable system no longer offers just open yeah. channels, uh, and that's and that's crazy. And of course, where do campgrounds get their cable TV from? But from the cable suppliers. So if they don't offer open channels, especially analog channels, then the cable doesn't work in the campground without a box. So everybody should start streaming to hell with cable. Well, what started in the 1970s as a great way to watch more channels of television has morphed into 225 nearly nonstop infomercials playing 24-7. As a full-time RVer, this author says, I attempted to tap into a campground's cable connection uh, only during the first three stops I made. The signal was usually fuzzy, and the massive amounts of commercials made it hard to enjoy the programming that was available. At home, I stopped watching cable more than 18 months ago, and I haven't missed it. These are cable cutters. This is also a great opportunity for campgrounds. First, if the cable companies want you to spend that kind of money to upgrade the signal, crumble the contract, and ask if you'd like to demonstrate that you can do without it. Second, Whenever money was being spent offering cable channels to RVers, reinvest that into improving the wireless Internet connections. It's a win-win situation for campgrounds. I asked Chuck Woodbury, the editor of RV Travel, to poll his massive audience a few weeks ago by asking them a question. At an RV park, would you prefer, one, free cable hookup for lots of TV channels, or two, free, speedy, reliable Wi-Fi access? B. <laughs> we have weighed in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and, and of course, that would say it solved my issue with the satellite TV, with the satellite yeah, internet. Yeah, you wouldn't have to. Right, and and most people bring their own TV anyway. I think these days. And most people travel with computers. Most, oh yeah, everybody these days can travels with a computer. The results didn't surprise me, but of the sixteen hundred ninety-seven people who did respond to the survey, seventy-eight point nine percent picked faster, reliable internet connections. Here's another reason to dump cable in the ca- in the campgrounds. Most RVs have either a satellite connection or collections of DVD players installed anyway. W- uh, want to make some money? Rent DVDs. <laughs> or get a Redbox a machine. Redbox right, for right? your campground. <laughs> I know cable may be a big benefit for seasonal renters. Why not allow the seasonal owners to call the cable company and have the firm install the equipment and handle the billing? Again, the cable companies are the bad guys when they refuse to do so. At nearly every campground I'm at, RVers complained loudly about the quality of the Internet connections. And having, Amen. And having read RV Park Reviews, uh, you definitely hear the complaints right there. And we make decisions 
on which campgrounds we go to based on... And even even with our satellite dish, we still... I see people nodding their heads. Yeah. Don't you? Yes. Because they're agreeing with us. Yeah. It drives me up a wall when campgrounds advertise high-speed wireless and can only deliver dial-up speeds, if that. Campground owners might claim their Internet is, is to be used only for email and mild web surfing. But when it takes four minutes to open an email and another two minutes to, to send it, all your customers are doing is seething in the meantime. I talked to a campground owner this week who, for a $5,000 investment, can deliver consistent Internet download speeds of 15 to 16 megabits per second. Most campgrounds are lucky to maintain point three megabits per second why bend over and allow the cable companies to dictate how you are to deliver increasingly expensive service to the 21 percent of our viewers who still want cable while allowing poor internet connections to aggravate 80 percent of the customers to the point of flamethrowers lighting up your your online reviews yeah with explosive comments about your free high-speed wireless yeah, and I would tend to agree with that, mm-hmm. and I think that this is coming. It, we would it would solve a lot of problems if these they would have some decent speed wireless. Yeah. Yeah. And from having, of course, been on the ship where we were definitely restricted and paid by the minute, that that's the worst situation. But a better situation was in our hotels. And I want to talk for a minute about some of the the interesting things that we found out. We there are lots of wireless places around, but. There's these new devices that are actually quite inexpensive. Travel routers? Travel routers, right. We bought, we have one, we've had one, but I actually took it with us on our travels to Japan. And you'll find a link on our webpage about uh, some of the routers that that you can buy in this category. But this is very cool because both of the hotels, or two of the hotels that we stayed at in Japan, had a wired Internet connection, which is a very limited value because most computers, including ours, do not have a wired input for Internet. That's like Ethernet? Like Ethernet, right. But if you bring this little box, and this little wireless router weighs about six ounces or less, plugs into the wall, you plug your Ethernet cable in, and they uh, both hotels had Ethernet cables, although I brought one of oh, well, of course I brought yes, well, naturally. I brought one, and you plug it in, and then it turns into a hi-fi watt spot. Wi-Fi hotspot, you mean? Thank you. It turns into one of those. And doesn't it give you a firewall protection then, too? It gives you all sorts of great stuff. Not only that, but as we found out, the Wi-Fi that we provided through the wire was substantially faster than that provided by the hotel. That was great news. I don't understand why. Because we were the only ones using it. We had our own hardwired connection, and we were the only ones using it. Uh-huh. The Wi-Fi, the wireless is not the limitation. It's the number of people using it that's usually uh-huh. using up the bandwidth. Uh-huh. And so we were tied right into their main router. So we were just competing with each other. Yeah. We did a lot of downloading. Yes, we but did. But... These route these little routers do a couple of other cool things too. How many times have you gotten, as we find out in many campgrounds, you get just one uh, account, and we have six devices with us Easy. that need Wi-Fi. Uh, so we have two phones, two iPads, two computers, most of the time, and then some other stuff. It just drives us crazy when they say, "Oh, well, we'll give you two because there are two of you, two accounts." Those little coupons we have to type in all those numbers. So the bottom line here is, is that with this little device, when you plug it in, it has a mine has three 
positions on the switch. One is for when it's wired with Ethernet. Two is when you want to use it as a hotspot. So it then connects to the the Wi-Fi in the hotel or at the campground, and it splits it off so that you can have as many devices as you want connected to that same... Without coupons. Well, you put the coupon in once and you're done so that that device then reads that. And then the third mode is where... It is a extender so that it, uh, it, if it's free open Wi-Fi, but you're not getting a very strong signal, it rebroadcasts the signal in, in, in a more powerful form so that you get a better bandwidth or better experience. So this is a, these devices are not very expensive. So that's, uh, I think, a very nice thing to have, don't you? Yeah, we really and, enjoyed and it in Japan. We, yeah, and I think we're going to, uh, might even heck, hook up an antenna to it and my external antenna and use it, uh, you know, you, you get a better signal on the roof than you would in the RV. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take take a look at this uh, article, it talks about the five, um, six new travel routers that can deploy a secure Wi-Fi network almost anywhere. And that's a, quite an interesting article, and it works. That's the bottom line that uh, that I want to get out there. Another idea that you might want to have, I'm, of course, this new RV is going to have LEDs out the wazoo eventually. But not right away. Well, it's going to have them pretty soon. You need to see. They where were. You they need were. Them. The, the the previous owner was nice enough to put LEDs in the main lights in the in the coach. Yeah. So that was nice. But a nifty approach to putting up your own LED awning strip lighting system. So how many times do you want your awning to be lit up with LEDs? Not very many. You don't want to sit under your awning and have nice lighting. Anyway, <laughs> this is a nice little video, and you can use it to put a strip of LEDs so that uh, you'll have light under your awning when you open it up. So you don't need those little fruit lights hanging off of your awning anymore? Well, you can use the fruit lights too, but this is as additional lighting. And he tied into one of the side lights because you do need 12-volt power. I'm always worried when we have the awning out not to leave it out because it might blow and blow over and rip. Well, these are more or less permanently installed, so, so it just rolls right up. So we put it away as soon as we go back inside. And we yeah, have but this to rolls up. About lights. No, no, this rolls up with it. That's why I don't use the lights. The fruit that, lights. The fruit lights because yeah. you do have to mess around with that. And because this one has a automatic wind sensing, it will automatically roll up and roll the lights right along with it, which is probably a bad idea. NPR Hounds. This app makes finding the network easy. And are we... We are NPR Hounds. Yes. And we also activated our Sirius radio. Mm-hmm. And we enjoy Sirius. If you haven't tr- if you haven't tried it out, uh, well, actually, I think we like uh, XM better, but now that they're kind of one company, they act the same. Although it's kind of expensive, but when you're traveling across country, Sirius is, is the way to go, as far as I can tell. And they have their own NPR station. But we do like to listen to local NPR stations, and there is a new app. For NPR uh, junkies, and there's so much depth and news on NPR compared to the sound bites on usual stations that uh, you just don't get enough. And of course, you can watch, listen to Click and Clack and the Tappet Brother, the Tappet Brothers, and the Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, and all the other good shows, uh, Prairie Home Companion. But uh, you don't know where these stations are located on your dial. I know. And of course, that's one of the nice things about this new Coach Two is it has a nice new dash radio. It has USB in it, Ports, it has, yeah. but no Bluetooth. But I'm going to add Bluetooth. Stay tuned for another episode, and we'll, we'll talk about Bluetooth. Adding that to your to your main radio. I just got an NPR map that tells me where all the stations are. But that's paper. On the map, yeah. So this is an app which tells you. I, I look on the you map. Can, and you can I look see, at the phone. I see but you, what. But city you don't I'm have that with you at all times. 
Oh, it's right next to the co-pilot seat at all but, times. But the co-pilot may not be have that next to her seat anymore because of the map system. It's has already changed. in the new coach. It's already in the new coach. Yep. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm trying to get to the news here, but she's giving me kind of a hard time. Sorry. Fifth Wheel Street. Dot com offers RV Weight Calculator app. Now, this is another cool app. The Towing Weight Calculator and Safety Report app provides step-by-step instructions that assist users with weighing their tow vehicles and fifth wheels or gooseneck trailers. The report details 13 weighing points, including seven points indicating the safety margin or overhead conditions by displaying red or green numbers. So this is another app from a company called uh, FifthWheelStreet.com fifthwheelst.com and they help you with uh, your fifth wheel and uh, making sure that it's, it weighs uh, the appropriate amount. Which is an important problem. Well, well, easy to screw it up because there's so much storage space that you bring too much. Okay, so I have lots of other topics here but I can feel that the RV Navigator, the RV Navigator is doing okay but the is jet lag is, is hitting the, the, co-pilot. the co-pilot, I guess, here or something anyway. So let's talk about, uh, there'll be lots more links on our episode what, page. What, the things we haven't talked the about? The things we haven't talked about. Oh, why? Well, we're going to we'll have five road-tested tips from an RV rookie, uh-huh. which will have amazing campfire in a can. That's not very amazing. Amazing campfire in a can. We will have, oh... RV light replacement with Bluetooth speakers. Can we buy that? That's from a vendor in Australia. Oh, it was advertised here. Uh-huh. They take a... Switch covers with integrated hooks and storage. I don't like that at all. I like that a lot. And the Swiss room box. All of these things. And glamping with a twist. And the ten- they're missing all sorts of things here that are just... Uh, well, you guys got to... Just you have to email the co-pilot and tell her that you definitely need to hear these things from our mouse. Really, you're not just going to put them up there. I'm just going to put them up there, but uh-huh. they're going to want to. Re- they're going to want to hear our take on them. I see. Don't you think? Well, I guess if they listen, they do. <laughs> okay, can they see us in the next month and our new coach? Well, we will be. I pull. We will be out and about. We're going to go to the Newmar Rally in the UP. Right. If you're a Newmar owner and you're going to be in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, we are headed up there for a week, where we're going to talk to other Newmar owners and get all sorts of great tips. And, and then we're going to go to the Oshkosh Fly-in. Oh, cool! In Wisconsin. So that's uh, just a few hours from home, but we've never been to the Oshkosh Air Show, and this will be a chance for us to really put it to the test. Because it's going to be boondock camping, because that's all they offer, and we will be out in the field. So next time we'll there may stay be, overnight and come home again. There may, be, there may be a fair amount of ranting and raving. <laughs> we'll put it to the test. We will be having lots more experiences, and hopefully we will have uh, everything installed, and we will have moved everything. Oh, and. Uh, we'll have sold the we'll old have sold one. the old one. That's how are we going to. We do? haven't even put it on the market yet how because are we gonna do that? well, we're going to put a, uh, an ad in RV Trader, mm-hmm. Craigslist, and a few other places, and mm-hmm. then somebody's going to call us up and say, "Here's the money. Bring me the RV." And I'm going to say, "Okay, I'm on my way." Sounds good. If you want to find out what really happens, ladies and gentlemen and dear listeners, you are going to want to listen to next month's ep- episode of the RV Navigator. That will be the August edition and then the September edition when we still have the RV for sale. No! 
the November edition. When will he still have the RV for sale? No. Oh, well, by the way, I should mention just um, as an aside, wireless router that I have is not on the list. Not on what list? It's not on the article list that I... Oh, that you're going to link to? Yeah. Uh-huh. This one is a D-Link, and it's called the DIR505, and it costs $30. So that's the one that I have. And worked really Because good. I bought that before I read the article. Worked so, really good. You're ahead of your time. No, not Mr. me. Mr. Cutting so Edge. I'm going down to have the panels installed, a satellite dish installed. The inverter. The inverter. Oh, are we going to have fun or are we going to have fun and things to talk about next episode? So we appreciate all of your comments on our on Google, Google Plus, Plus page, on our Google page. We've talked about the comments. Thank you, Guy. Thank you, Tom Stanley. Thanks, everybody who sent us messages. We do appreciate it, and we read them. And we hope to see you in a campground near us, and it could definitely be possible. If you're in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, you could see us driving by. Well, wouldn't that be a thrill? But you could stop in and say hello, and we will be glad to see you. Okay, so we hope to see you in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future as we drive down the road to the Upper Peninsula and to the Oshkosh Air Show. Happy travels. Thanks for listening. Bye now.